The following message by Dr. Matt Thornton is part of a series through the book of Habakkuk entitled, The Just Shall Live by Faith. If you would like more information on this message, you can view the description of this sermon audio available for free on all major podcast formats. For more information on what we believe, we encourage you to visit our website at northbryantbaptist.org. And now, here's Dr. Matt Thornton. Again, let me welcome you this morning. Um, we're going to begin a study this morning in the book of Habakkuk. So I'll give you a moment to find it. It's close to Nahum. There comes a point in time when children reach a stage in their development when they are so curious and so inquisitive that they repeatedly ask a single question over and over, no matter how the parent responds. And this can become an almost uh, never-ending game of, of peeling back the layers. You probably already know the question that I'm talking about. The question that children ask repeatedly is why? Eat your vegetables. Why? Because they're healthy and good for you. Why? Because they have vitamins and minerals in them. Why? Because God made them that way. Why? Because he wants us to have healthy foods so we can be strong. Why? So we can serve him. Why? Because he created us that way. Why? Because he's God. Why? A lot of times, if not every time, I guess, chasing the why answer will lead you to God. Maybe it would be nice, sometimes parents may think, it'd be nice if children cut out the middleman, the parents, and just went straight to God with their questions. Might save some parents uh, some headaches, right? Sometimes the why game is, is straining on parents. There was a prophet a long time ago who took his questions, as difficult as they were, straight to God. And this morning as we begin our study through Habakkuk, we will see that. Habakkuk is considered one of the 12 minor prophets. Now, we don't call them minor prophets because they're less important or because they were too young to vote or anything like that. The only thing minor about the writings of, of these 12 men is that when compared to Isaiah and Jeremiah, they wrote less. That's it. They're just as inspired, just as powerful, just as important, even though they don't get the headlines that Jeremiah and Isaiah and these other men get. You may have never heard a sermon preached from Habakkuk, but I am so excited to preach this short book because I believe it to be so applicable right now. In fact, I want to sort of confess and um, tell on myself a little bit to, to explain how excited I am to preach this. But a few weeks ago, I was convinced that Habakkuk was what we needed to study next. It's what I needed to preach next. And so I was so ready and so eager to get started. And then I looked down at the calendar only to be reminded that Easter was two weeks away. And I actually said out loud, oh man. And then I felt terrible and wondered if I'm the worst preacher of all time because I actually omanned Easter. 
wasn't that I, that I don't love Easter. It wasn't that I didn't want to preach the resurrection. Obviously, that's the most important event that's ever happened. I just couldn't wait to get started with Habakkuk. And so that's what we'll do today. But before we look at the first several verses, let me give you some background and sort of set the context. It's difficult to put an exact date on Habakkuk's ministry and on his writing because he does not mention the rule of any kings. And so we can't use that to help us date this. But a probable date is near the end of the 7th century B.C. as Babylon is beginning to rise to power. They are beginning um, to burst on the scene as a world power. You may remember that in 605 B.C., Babylon will begin this process of destroying Judah, one that ended in 586 B.C. with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. So Habakkuk definitely wrote before that time, before all of that happened, but probably not too long before it did. So he lived during the years that led up to this Babylonian invasion and the Babylonian captivity. And in Judah, those years were characterized by unfaithfulness to God, by wickedness, by idolatry. Evil kings ruled the land. Kings like Manasseh, who actually led the Israelites to become more corrupt than the Canaanites. Listen to what is written about Manasseh in 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 9. The Bible says Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Can you imagine God's own people more corrupt, more wicked, more sinful than the Canaanites who were judged and destroyed for their wickedness? After Manasseh, thankfully there were some reforms under King Josiah, but they were relatively short-lived because the final king before the Babylonian invasions was a man named Jehoiakim. And he ruled for 11 years, and the Bible tells us that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. But it wasn't just the kings who were wicked. You know, people often take on the characteristics of their leaders, and that was true in, in Judah. And so wickedness saturated society from the top to the bottom. From the kings to the priests to the people, there was just wickedness everywhere. 2 Chronicles 36, 14 through 16 summarizes this entire time period. Notice what is written. All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. That was the world Habakkuk lived in. And we'll see more of a description in just a few moments as we look at the first few verses. But think about this. 
The prophet Habakkuk lived in that society and he looked around and he saw the wickedness and the violence and the injustice and the idolatry and a total lack of fear for God, a disrespect for his prophets, a disregard for their message, and he prayed to God and yet nothing seemed to change. Nothing happened. Did God not care what was going on? Would all of this evil just continue? Would it all go unpunished? How long would this continue? Why was God not intervening and doing something? And Habakkuk wrestled with those questions. But more than that, he took those questions to God. And so he is very different from most of the other prophets. Other prophets represented God to the people. They took God's word and they preached it to the people. They proclaimed what God said to the people. But Habakkuk is quite the opposite. He didn't preach any public sermons that we know of. Instead of taking God's message to the people, he took the people's questions to God. And from time to time in the Bible, we see that. We see men question God, and depending upon the attitude, that can be a great thing, or it can be a scary thing. If you question God like Job did, you accuse him of injustice, and your question is, is such a complaint that you, that you make yourself self-righteous as Job did, that's a problem. But if your questions come from a humble heart, a genuine heart seeking and searching and trying to understand more of what God's doing or what it seems like He's not doing, there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to fall at His feet with our questions and our concerns. And that's what this prophet did. He lived in the middle of a society and in the middle of a time that he didn't understand. And yet he had the courage to ask God the difficult questions and he had the faith to accept the tough answers. Habakkuk's name probably comes from the Hebrew word for embrace. And several authors, if you begin to study about Habakkuk, several authors make, make the point of how fitting that name was because as we'll see, even though Habakkuk questions God, and even though he wrestles with current events, he comes to a point where he embraces God and where he clings to God's promises and God's words by faith, no matter what. And so it's in that context that Habakkuk wrote what are actually some of the most famous words in the Old Testament. Habakkuk is where we find the verse, the just shall live by faith. And that single small verse from this minor prophet is actually quoted three separate times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. And I think we could rightly call that the key verse or the theme verse to Habakkuk. And while it was written thousands of years ago, it's still so applicable today. Because like Habakkuk, we may have 
questions and concerns about this world, right? We may look around like children and say, why? How long? Why are you not doing something, God? When are you going to intervene? Especially with everything going on today, right? I've probably asked the how long question quite, quite a bit recently. How long is this going to last? How long are we going to have to meet like this? How long? And we may, we may be bothered by what we see and wonder what God is doing about it, if anything. So listen, it's okay to humbly ask God those questions. But even if we don't understand, or even if we find answers that are difficult, we must still embrace the promises of God and cling to Him and live by faith amidst it all and draw our strength and our joy from God. I want you to notice how Habakkuk actually closes his writing. After asking God a couple of tough questions, he wrote a beautiful song to end his work. And these are the final lyrics. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Habakkuk ends it all by saying, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hind's feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I guess if we were going to put that into modern-day lingo, we would say something like, even though the shelves are bare, even though Amazon Prime isn't working like we want it to, even though click list pickups take an hour and a half, I'll find my joy and my strength in the Lord. With all that said, let's go back to the beginning. And we'll look at the first four verses of Habakkuk this morning. And there's really not much of an introduction to this short book, but let's read verse 1 through verse 4. We read the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked. And judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Mention there's not much of an introduction to this short book. Uh, there's no mention of kings to help us with dating. There's no mention of Habakkuk's father, no family, no tribe. Uh, he is called a prophet, though. So we do know something about him. And what a prophet is, we, we throw that word around a lot, especially in, in church. But a good definition for a prophet is an authorized spokesman. That's the essential idea of the word. It's someone who has the authority to speak on behalf of someone else. You may remember back in Exodus that Aaron was called Moses' prophet. 
in the sense that Aaron was the authorized spokesman for Moses. Moses didn't feel like he was a great public speaker, and he kind of gave that excuse to God as to why he shouldn't be the one to go and deliver the Israelites. Well, God wasn't going to let him off the hook with that excuse, and so he said, Aaron will be your mouthpiece. He'll be your prophet. He will be your authorized spokesman. Now, most of the time when we see the word prophet, it refers to someone who is authorized by God to speak the words of God for God, and that's what Habakkuk was. He is an authorized spokesman, and that carries a heavy burden, a heavy responsibility. You notice in verse 1 that, that we read this is the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. His message is referred to as a burden. Some of you may have a translation that says oracle or even prophecy. But this actually derives from a word that means to carry, which is why you see the idea of burden sometimes when we talk about the messages of a prophet. It was something they had to carry, something that was a big responsibility, something that may have even felt like was, was weighing them down. And thinking about Habakkuk and the fact that his prophecy began with his own questions, I want you to think about this. Sometimes our questions may feel like burdens. Misunderstandings may weigh us down. Our concerns may feel heavy. Our worries may, may press us down. But listen, there is no burden so heavy that you cannot take it to the Lord and unload it at his feet. And that's what Habakkuk the prophet did. In verse 2 and 4, it didn't take long for us to get into his burden, for us to see his question and his concerns and let's look at these verses and take a closer look at his, at his question or his burden. First of all, by noticing how he described the world he lived in. You notice in verse 2 and in verse 3, he uses this word violence to characterize society. And this, this word refers to a sinful, malicious violence. It's not the kind of violence we may associate with a natural disaster or an accident or something like that. A few weeks ago, tornado ripped through Jonesboro, and that was, that was violent. But that's not the idea of this word. This word speaks of cruel ferocity from man. In fact, it's the same word Moses used in Genesis chapter 6 to describe the state of man before the flood. Genesis 6.11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence that same word. And now that same word that, that described the earth back then, an earth so wicked and so violent that God destroyed it except for one family. That word is now being used to describe the people of Judah in consecutive verses. This was a society fueled by bloodshed. They were violent. 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 16 states this of, of King Manasseh that I mentioned earlier. Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. That's a lot of bloodshed. Manasseh probably predated Habakkuk, but it still shows how wicked the society had become. And even uh, King Jehoiakim's reign wasn't much better. It was filled with injustice and violence and bloodshed. And you know, Habakkuk could have probably ended right there, and we would have had a pretty good idea about how bad this society was. 
but he keeps going. We see in verse 3 this word iniquity. The NIV translates it injustice, and it's, it's a word that had, has the idea of trouble that leads to wickedness. We also see the word grievance in verse 3, and other translations say wrong, wickedness, or wrongdoing. It's an interesting word. It actually is related to the word for work or the word for labor. And sometimes work and labor can be a good thing, but this word emphasizes the pain or the grief or the struggle, the sorrow, the misery that comes along with work. It's toil. It doesn't emphasize the success of a job well done. It's not that accomplishment feeling you have when you, you, know, you get your yard mowed and you look out at it and you say, that looks good. I'm glad I put that work in. That's not this word. This is the grief and the misery part of this word. So Judah had become a violent, troubled, wicked society, full of pain, full of sorrow, full of grief and misery. But there's more. He goes on and uses the word spoiling or destruction in verse 3. This is similar to the idea of violence that we saw earlier. But this word does move into the realm of, of destruction. I think probably the best English word to use here might be havoc. Just just havoc everywhere. Just this chaotic ruin and destruction. One author says it, it can refer to just unrighteousness, any type of unrighteousness that leads to destruction. But there's still more. At the end of verse 3, he mentions strife and contention arising. And these, these words work together to give us a picture of a society that was just constantly quarreling with one another. Not a day went by when you wouldn't see someone arguing or fighting, actually fist fighting, or taking someone else to court in a judicial dispute. It was all of that, constantly. And so with that lovely picture of Judah, Judah's society in our minds, we come to verse 4, and when we read that God's law is... Is, is powerless, that justice is tossed aside. It doesn't surprise us whatsoever. Verse 4, Habakkuk says, Therefore the law is slacked. This word slacked is a really neat word, and some of you have a translation that says paralyzed or even ignored. But the word actually means to be cold. And it has the idea of something that's, that's cold to the point where it's numb or powerless. Have you ever... Um, been in, in, in a cold environment and your hands get so cold that they don't have strength in them anymore. You know, they, they become numb and, and paralyzed. They weren't as strong as they should have been. And that's the idea of this word. It's also a word that was used to describe Jacob's uh, emotional state. It, it describes Jacob's heart when he actually learned that Joseph, his beloved son that he thought died long ago, was actually alive in Egypt. And we're told that, that Jacob's heart went numb. He, he felt powerless, paralyzed, frozen. He, he couldn't believe it. And so this is how Habakkuk describes the law in this society. People are so wicked that the law is frozen, that it's numb, that it's paralyzed and powerless because these people don't care about God's law. They don't care about following it. They don't care about his standard. They don't care about his word. 
And since the wicked outnumbered and encircled the righteous person, the righteous person couldn't even take his complaint into the courtroom because the judges were just as wicked as everyone else. What, what went forth even from legal disputes, even from judges, even from courtrooms was never justice. It was what Habakkuk labels as wrong judgment or perverted judgment. The word here in the Hebrew is very picturesque for, for wrong or perverted. It gives the sense of twisting or bending something. And so we might use the word crooked in English. This wasn't, this wasn't true justice. It was crooked justice. And that was Habakkuk's home. Any one of you want to volunteer to go back in time and live in ancient Israel? A time filled with violence, filled with trouble, filled with injustice, with really no end in sight because you couldn't count on the leaders to do anything. You couldn't count on the kings. You couldn't count on the priests. You couldn't count on the judges. They're just as crooked and as wicked as the criminals standing in the courtroom. And so the law is numb. And this whole scene bothered Habakkuk. And that's one really easy application for us to see and for us to make is that when we look around at society and we see the sinfulness of it, we see the violence, we see the selfishness of this world, we see a world who doesn't care about what God says. We see a word that doesn't care about God's people. We see a, word, a world that rejects God's message. It should bother us. We should feel uncomfortable. We should be reminded that this world is not our home. And we should be burdened like Habakkuk by the wickedness of this world. And like Habakkuk, we should pray about it. We see in verse 2 that this bothered him for a while. And he had been praying about it for a while. Notice he says in verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Habakkuk used the word cry to describe his prayers. And we see the word cry twice here in this verse. And two different Hebrew words are actually used, but they, they both have the idea of a cry for help. Not, not tearful crying, not mournful or sorrowful crying in that, uh, in that aspect of it, but crying out for help, petitioning someone for relief, uh, begging for someone's assistance. That's what Habakkuk was doing. He was calling out to God for help. And it wasn't something he just started doing. This didn't just start bothering Habakkuk. There's no telling how many times Habakkuk cried out to God to help. And yet it seemed like his prayers remained unanswered. How long? Literally, until when must I cry? And you're not listening, God. People are so wicked. God, help us. Do something. Why are you making me look at all of this? And so Habakkuk faced two dilemmas that faithful people in every age have faced. The first is the dilemma of living for God surrounded by wickedness. 
We're not the first people, and we will not be the last people who are trying our best with God's grace to live for Him and serve Him in a world of wickedness, surrounded by people who don't care about God at all. But as I mentioned earlier, the just shall live by faith. But still, this wasn't Habakkuk's main complaint or main dilemma. His his main dilemma, his main question here was that He prayed to God to do something about it, and yet it seemed like nothing happened. And so Habakkuk faces the dilemma of unanswered prayers, or at least what seemed like unanswered prayers. Obviously, his prayers came from a heart that knew God. He knew that God was holy. He knew that God would not allow wickedness to go unpunished. He knew that God does not like to see suffering and that he will not allow it to continue forever. And so Habakkuk issues his prayer from an understanding of who God is and of his character only to see society continue down the same path day after day. How long, O Lord, are you not hearing my prayer? But Habakkuk was not afraid to take this to God. He was not afraid to take something difficult to the Lord. He was not afraid to keep praying and keep asking. He had the courage to go to God and ask the tough questions. And that's the main thing that I want you to take away from this introduction in these verses this morning is that Habakkuk took his burden, his question, his problem, and he laid it at the feet of God. There is absolutely nothing in your life that is too big, too heavy, or too small to take to God. You're not bothering him. He's not too busy. He wants us to pray. He wants us to lay our burdens at his feet. What did Brother Harklaw read earlier? Don't worry about anything, but, but pray about everything. He wants us to pray. Where else would you turn to to find these difficult answers anyway? Pray to God and read his word. And then we also need to understand that just because things may not change... It doesn't mean God didn't hear your prayer. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have asked. It's okay to ask God tough questions if they come from a humble, genuine, searching heart. And we will see next week, if the Lord is willing, that God answers Habakkuk. And guess what Habakkuk is going to do with that answer? He's going to ask another question. He's going to do it again, like a child with his parent asking, why? Why? And you know what? God won't be angry with him. God will answer him again. Maybe earthly parents sometimes get frustrated when children constantly ask questions. But God's not like that. When his children come to him in humility with genuine questions and concerns and their burdens... He is always there. And so if you've ever been bothered by this world, 
If you've ever prayed for God to do something, for Him to intervene, because you know He's holy, and you know He's righteous, and you know what's going on in this world is, is incompatible with His holiness. And you prayed, and yet it seemed like nothing happened, nothing changed, and you cried, How long, O oh Lord? You're in the company of the prophet Habakkuk. And it's something Christians throughout history have wrestled with. We know God is holy and good, and so we say, how long are you going to let this go on? When are you going to do something? And first, let me remind you that God already has done something. When God saw the sinfulness of man, and he saw our violence, he saw our wickedness, he looked on our injustice, and he sent his son to shed his blood to cover it all. Jesus Christ looked at your suffering and said, I'll suffer with them. I'll suffer for them. I'll suffer as one of them. So God has already proven his care, his concern, and his love for you and his love for this world. If you've never repented of your own sin and given your heart to Jesus Christ, please do that today as the Holy Spirit convicts you Humble yourself and fall at his feet and trust him. But let me also remind you that Christ's death and his resurrection are actually not the end of the story. They are not the end of God's working in this world. It may not be when you or I think it should be, but at just the right time, at the appointed day, Jesus Christ will return to this earth and he will be the greatest king the universe has ever seen. And then all the problems that bothered Habakkuk, all the issues that bother us will be completely taken care of by King Jesus. Trust that. And until then, the just shall live by faith. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for including in your word Habakkuk's burden. Help us to find the courage that Habakkuk had to, to bring the most difficult questions we have in our lives and about this world to you Help us to wait on your answers and to search for your word. And even when we don't understand or even when, when your answers are not what we hoped for or if they're difficult for us, help us to know that, that you are sovereign, that you are holy, that you're righteous, that you have an ultimate sovereign plan for this world that involves bringing Jesus Christ back as king. Help us to live by faith during this time and for the rest of our lives as we await his arrival. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen.